Hello, hello. Snowing here in New York City on this beautiful Wednesday. Thank you last week to Ant and the Sharky Waters Nation himself holding it down as I was skiing out in Montana. But, and I hope you didn't miss me too much. I'm sure Big Bro did an A-OK job. Big Bro filled in. I think he went 2-0 for the 2-0 for the one time. A little bit of a mini sweep there uh, with some official plays that he dropped. We... We enjoyed looking ahead, a little preview of what we're going to try and do with the NBA season going forward until we figure out more and more ways to get you guys picks and contents and videos and fun. But uh, for now, it's a little Wednesday podcast, Winning Wednesday, drop in on Thursday, depending on when you're listening. Hopefully you're joining us live right now, which we appreciate. Yeah, we always appreciate every like, every comment, every piece of banter, hopefully every bet cash. We've got a pretty good show for you guys today. We're talking about the NBA tonight, so we've got some bets that are actionable immediately. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the quarterback circus going on in the NFL, and then we're closing out with a look-ahead spot, a couple games we want to target this weekend to hopefully churn out some profit. So. All good on that front. I just I got my it. retweet out. I hope uh, some people are funneling in here. And um, I think we are. Like I see 68 people. That sounds almost as good as 69. And uh, I think we can probably take it away. Where do we want to start? Giggity. Let's start. Let's dive into tonight. I think you got a prop. We'll talk about this side a little bit. And then uh, I got one or two sides I'd love to get into. It is a full slate. I will just start by saying that. Uh, bet responsibly when you got 12 NBA games on a winning Wednesday. They're definitely mm-hmm. taking advantage of uh, less baseball chat. They want to get back the momentum and the eyeballs and the ears from the NFL QB carousel. So 12 games on the slate. I think there's some good ones. There's some Tankapalooza spots here too. Um, so we'll dive into one, which I believe is Chicago-Detroit. Chicago-Detroit, right. man. I love that game right here. Uh, and, you know, with my player props, uh, you know, I try to do a couple of different things. One is is try to avoid the blowout factor. So right off the cuff, if the line right. is, we'll call it bigger than seven and a half, I'm not looking at it. There's a yeah. lot of spots. And that happened like, to you recently. I think it was a Clippers or Rockets game. Maybe it was Clippers versus Rockets. Yeah, it was, it was the Clippers versus yeah. somebody. Zubak got there, even though yeah. he didn't play the fourth quarter, and the other guy I needed didn't because he didn't play the fourth quarter. Even last night, right, I had the Warriors. I had Looney for over rebounds, over points. Uh, I think it was seven and a half and eight and a half. He had seven and six at the end of the third quarter and then played zero minutes because they were up by 30. And that was one, you know, it happens, right? You need four quarters more often than not when you're handicapping these games to get there. So, is the seven and a half cutoff mathematically driven? No, not quite. Um, you know, haven't done enough research to find a correlation between what spreads are more indicating of, of blowouts, but uh, it feels like a safer place for me to, to just target these close games. And, you know, the, the struggle there, Ant, is a lot of times, like when you're playing against the Kings, for example, they're what, 30th in opponent three point percentage. And I have it right here. Uh, and 29, 28th in three point percentage and 29th in opponents, points, and paint. So, like, in terms of player props, you are salivating over that, but then the spreads are always 13 and a half. Right. Uh, and that's that's just a tough, tough, uh, tough cookie to bite into. I don't know, whatever it is. Anyway, Chicago here versus Detroit. This is one that I was expecting a far bigger spread, right? It's only five, five and a half, maybe even down to four and a half. So, on the ocular pat down, this was not a game I thought I was going to be able to attack. Uh, but we do see this Detroit team 30th in opponents three-point percentage uh, and 22nd in opponents points in the paint. So I went a little bit deeper uh, and was trying to hone in on what position would really pop tonight. And, and shooting guard is that one. This this Detroit team is 
in the bottom bottom uh, 50. So what, what what a couple websites I use looks at 150 placements. There's 30 teams with five positions each. So it ranks versus that. Uh, all positions, all stats. Um, and the shooting guard, they're 135th out of 150th in three-pointers made and 134th out of 150 uh, for points per game. So bottom, uh, both in the, or, you know, almost close to league worst out there. So who does that bring to us to? And that brings us to Zach Levine, shooting guard. You always feel good when your research takes you to an absolute stud. Uh, and there's a couple interesting things here um, you know, that, that I looked at. You know, he is averaging 24.6 points per game, 7.2 three-point attempts per game. A lot of times I like to handicap opportunity. Of course, these professionals need to go out and still hit shots. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But opportunity is what we're looking for. Uh, but what I thought was really interesting is even though this Detroit team is, you know, worst in the league, 30th in, in opponent three-point percentage. Zach Levine has actually shot 9% worse from three in his three matchups versus Detroit this season, 31% versus 40%. So a little scary there. What do you think? We press forward? I think you press forward. Levine is a man who I think what I've liked watching him just from an mm-hmm. eye test perspective this year is he can still go get his, but he can also – play off the ball so he's done he's morphed a little bit as that roster has gotten better and I think he's benefited from that right I think one downside tonight is you still don't have Lonzo Ball in mm-hmm. back in the lineup for those bowls but again they've been playing better uh, as of late with with that in the mix and look you are not looking for the Bulls to crush or the Bulls to win here you just need to make sure that volume's there for Levine right and I think the stats you mentioned speak to that yeah, for sure. And, you know, we look at the line versus his averages here. He's averaging 19.3 points per game against this Detroit team versus, again, a 24.6 season average. That's almost five points worse. Yet the line tonight is 24 and a half, a minus 105 at DraftKings. So I think that line speaks to, you know, him perhaps just being outlierish versus this uh, this Detroit team. Um, and it should regress northward. And, you know, also did look a little bit deeper into those matchups. Um those some of those games were deflated due to the blowout factor on the 11th of January. He only had 10 points and they won by 50. Uh, he didn't play for the final 16 minutes of the game. Was he going off before that? No, but what he had gotten closer with a final, you know, eight minute push, I would imagine. So, um, and his only close game with the, with Detroit, um, was on the 20th of October and he dropped, 34 points. So if it's a close game, and I think that minus five line is indicating it will be, I think this is a prime spot for Levine to do Levine things. uh, Yeah, look, I I do think it's going to be a close game. I think the line is speaking to that. I think the way the Pistons have played, they come in six and four in their last 10 on a little bit of a dub three uh, coming off a, a big uh, in-conference Eastern Conference foe against the Atlanta Hawks, an overtime victory, 113-110. They held them off, even though the Hawks tried to come back and and the game went into overtime, and the Pistons got it done. So I think this team is pl- playing completely different in the second half of the season. I don't know if that's comfort level and health of Cade or some of the other pieces finally gelling together. Um, I know they were unloaded some things, did a little bit of movement at the trade deadline, but I think at plus 5.5, I actually do lean um, Pistons a little bit. They're still a hard team for me to back night in and night out. Um, but I think that bodes well for you from a you know a close game, keeping right. Levine in the mix, keeping Levine engaged. So let's let's get it done. 
Yeah, for sure. That all feels good. And also, don't hate the fact that the Bulls have dropped, what, their last five straight? They can't well, look, win versus that's contenders. Important for, so. That's important for nuclear, whale, whale Chernobyl, short-term high-value investment tail, you know, followers who bet the futures under 50 and a half Bulls wins, right? right? So let's, let's get it done. <laughs> yeah. What, they're, I think they're now officially 0-14 against contenders. Yeah, I knew it was 13 or 14. It, you've insane. seen it pop lately, yeah, which is definitely insane and not great for the, the what the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, but they're right in that second, third, fourth, fifth. You know, it's only a few games separating each team. Yeah, for sure. And then let's stay on this game for a second. There's a prop I do love on the Detroit side of things. Already yeah. logged this, uh, both of these in the Action Network as of this morning. This line actually started moving, got it around 10 a.m., logged it around 11. Uh, I got it at over 13 and a half. And the player we're talking about here is Bagley the third. Um, and what's interesting here, we we'll look at this Bulls team, right? The the handicap was I was looking more for three point shooters originally. Obviously, he's not one. Um, but at the end of the day, you got the Chicago team. They're 26 in opponent three point percentage, and they're 24th in opponent points per paint. Usually, I don't touch anything under 25. I'm only looking for the worst of the worst, and then again, navigating kind of the blowout factor to to hammer my overs. Um, but going a little bit deeper, position specific stats here. Chicago against the center is 148th out of 150 in terms of points per game and 144th out of 150 in field goals percentage. Uh, so I know what you're thinking here, and Oh, Bagley, he is not a center. You're absolutely right, my friend. But Isaiah Stewart is out uh, at least for a little while with a knee injury as of last night. So the backup, who's going to get more points? It's either going to be Kelly Olnick, uh, the second coming of Jesus with that hair, or our, our good friend Marvin Bagley the third. Uh, so I'm looking at Bagley here. I think he's interesting. We did see his minutes increase last night after Stewart went down. He played 36 minutes the previous most. He hadn't played 30-plus minutes since January 14th. They did go into overtime, so that's a little inflated, but even so, that's going to be right in the 28 to 32 range without overtime. And what did he do? He had 19 points and 10 rebounds. The game before that, also percolating a little bit, 18 points uh, with eight rebounds. So when I saw, you know, again, a little bit of uncertainty here, which I don't love to attack unless I'm playing pickup basketball, um, but saw that 13 and a half minus 120 on DraftKings this morning, knowing he's going to be more of a focal point on this offense, knowing that the Bulls allow a lot of points. I thought 13 and a half was was simply too low at a seemingly unadjusted line for the Stewart injury. Uh, and I had to jump all over it. Unmute myself there for a second. Couldn't find the I button. Speechless. Wow. Absolutely. I was speechless. well. I was a little speechless. Anybody watching on video <laughs> saw the sheer speechless. That's also because I'm watching the beautiful snow out the window. It's a glorious, mm. glorious winning Wednesday. Delightful. But anyway, um, yeah. I mean, look. I think you found the little niche there. The biggest thing you have to watch with some of this stuff is is going back to the volume. It's the minutes, right? So right. injuries and changes in these lineups equal hopefully more minutes, more opportunity leads to more volume. So love the yeah. analysis and how you kind of tied it together there. Big money, no whammies. And I should have a few more props. There's a couple more games I'm looking at. Uh, but once we hit 100 likes on that tweet, we'll uh, we'll get those out. Engage, engage, engage. Yeah, free to like, just like my picks. Free to play. That's right. So you want to stay in the Eastern Conference? I got one more for tonight. Yeah, let's do it. Why not? We'll do we'll do two quick ones. We'll do one Eastern and then one uh, one matchup. I think you'll have some interest in. But the first one here is the Atlanta Hawks going traveling to the Milwaukee Bucks. For the uh, in again in division, you know, in this in this case um, mm-hmm. matchup, the third of four that they'll play this year. So the Hawks actually come out with the early two zero lead 
They've beaten up on the Bucks back in November, uh, 120 to 100. And mm-hmm. then again in January 17th, so not that long ago, but still a few months removed, 121 to 114. Both of those games were again in Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta was favored in one, I think, in the first one, Milwaukee had some injuries. Milwaukee came back, was favored, minus five. In the second one, still got beat up. Now, the line here, you know, still gives some strength to me to I- Atlanta um, mm-hmm. slightly. And I actually just like, from a narrative standpoint, them to get it done here in the first half. Um, if you look at how the Bucks have played of late, I, I watched the game, I guess, on Sunday. It might have been Saturday, Sunday, Saturday or Sunday against the uh, Phoenix Suns. You know, a little finals matchup preview. Shorthanded Suns team really hung in the game. Somehow, miraculously, did not cover, even though they were winning, I think, outright with about three minutes left. They didn't cover a minus eight or minus nine, which was absurd. Um, so the Bucks got it done, right? The the Bucks are getting healthier. They do look better. But I just don't think the motivation is there for them night in and night out. And at the end of the day, this game, even after two losses um, at the hands of these Hawks, I think this game still means more to the Hawks. And you really saw that in the look-ahead spot for the Hawks last week. I could just mention before talking about your Pistons-Bulls handicap. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost outright in overtime to those same Pistons, right? Just didn't have the effort there. But I do think that's because the effort was here looking ahead to this buck spot to going on the road into Milwaukee and knowing it's a game they have to battle, have to grind and have to win. Um, so I think you're going to get that strong Hawks effort coming off that loss, especially here in the first half. So you can get plus two. Uh, there's also a plus two and a half at FanDuel. So I would grab the plus two and a half. I would play it down to plus two in the first half and look for the Hawks to keep this thing tight or or have an outright lead at the end of the first half. And then maybe that could create some live betting opportunities for the Bucks too, who I think, again, are deeper are better, but you know, the motivation, some of the injuries, some of the guys yeah. they can't replace in this lineup right now, they're still struggling with a little bit of just how to play without Brooke Lopez on defense, you know, some of the shooting off the bench with Covington or sure. Connington. Um, so, so we'll see. And I think the Hawks in the first half is a good look. Nice, man. I like it. I did want to touch a, a player prop on that one. Bucks, uh, three point shooters. Uh, Atlanta is terrible against the shooting guards, 142 out of 150 in three points made and 147 out of 150 in points per game. But of course, shooting guard of the Bucks, Grayson Allen is questionable. Yeah. So if he doesn't play, I think Middleton probably moves for the two. Um, but that uncertainty is just a pass for me. So, yeah. And I bet that uh, prop with Middleton do. before some of the playoff run last year, I think, or two years ago. And he's he's streaky. I mean, he had a monster game um, and they had a big kind of, I don't know if it was a comeback to get back in the game or if they took the lead fully, but a big gap while Giannis was out and Middleton was a big part of that because if he gets hot shooting the ball, you know, from mm-hmm. three, from two, sometimes he goes mid-range, right, in that long, long-range two uh, level, but he he really, the guy can shoot and he doesn't miss. So still might be good to look for him, but I usually see that number heavily juiced towards an over with a lower number, which makes it All tougher right. to bet. Amen, brother. Amen. Yeah. So that's three quick picks for you guys tonight and more to come on the Twitter sphere. Stay tuned there. Quick transition. Quarterback circus in the NFL. You've got Aaron Rodgers signing a four-year, $153 million deal with the Packers. You've got Russell Wilson going to a state that has legalized marijuana. 
Was he from a state that has legalized marijuana to a state? But I saw a couple of good Ooh. tweets saying make the- marijuana illegal again <laughs> because Russ is in town. Right. The consummate gentleman, Russell Wilson. How do we feel about that trade? I think more impactful. I mean, I think there's two angles here, right? Packers, tons of money to an aging quarterback. How is that going to work? They still have to sign Devontae Adams and a couple other guys. And honestly, they keep floundering out in the first uh, first round of the playoffs. Perhaps somebody needs to take a pay cut to get some more talent around them, neither here nor there. But Russ in Denver, total game changer. I mean, that division is absolutely stacked, AFC West. I think definitely a game changer. And I think you'll see upward improvement. I just don't think it's enough. And part of the reason is I, I don't know what version of Russell Wilson you're going to get. If you get sure. last year's version of Russell Wilson, even pre hand injury, it wasn't as impactful, right? We, we mm-hmm. saw that they Seahawks were quick to kind of take the ball out of his hands and maybe go back to that running game a little bit. Uh, then he had the finger injury. And I think he was re- seemed reluctant to really use his wheels um, and run around a little bit in the second half yep. of the year when he did come back and that team never got right, never got back on track post that injury. Sure. Um, do I think Russell Wilson has strong mental fortitude and he's going to come in motivated and maybe the fresh start is good for him? Yes. Do I think again it's going to be a game changer? No. I heard something interesting listening on the radio today. They were they had a beat reporter or a radio guy from Denver on one of the New York stations. Uh, I think it was the national ESPN broadcast or the New York ESPN mm-hmm. broadcast. And they asked like, well, what are the what's the expectations? And he said something that was more realistic. And he said it's the playoffs for us to think it's Super Bowl and right to that. Like it's not there. You can't set that bar yet. And I'm sure that's what some people are thinking. But I right. think this is a playoff team. This is a a contender to compete in the AFC. Are they a wild card? Can they compete for the division? That's probably enough in that tough division that they're in. Mm-hmm. Make the playoffs and see what happens. At that point, you're rolling the dice. But it's not somebody I'm nibbling on the futures market yet from a Super Bowl or an AFC conference standpoint. Yeah, that feels good. I thought what was super interesting looking at overall uh, DVOA from footballoutsiders.com was that this Denver offense was 12th in overall efficiency last year with who throwing the ball. You know, right. uh, I think that's interesting, like way better than I was expecting. Um, you know, not watching too many Denver games or betting on Denver much last year. Um, but more interestingly enough, their defense at 20th seems to be the bigger liability where I always thought it was kind of the, the inverse of that. No doubt about it. He's going to have some pretty good weapons. Um, but, you know. Yeah, underrated running back, uh, better receivers. I think surprisingly the defense at least from what I remember, one of the games was against my beloved Dallas Cowboys, but the the defense actually looked a little bit better post Von Miller trade. Now, yeah, what sure. worries me here, trying to build a contender, you, you referenced it with the Packers thing, is like, they still gave up a haul. You know, like you gave yeah. up a lot of draft picks. Now, they did have some draft picks stockpiled from some of these other moves that they've made to rebuild over the years, but it, you're still throwing into that quarterback when is the rest of the roster ready is the offensive line ready was the defense where it needed to be I you know I love what they did at corner last year with uh, Patrick Mm -hmm. Sertan Um, but they still need more pieces more blue chippers like that and now you have to go find a way to do that without giving without you know giving up some of that draft capital so I think that's going to be tough for the Broncos for the for the Packers we mentioned before because of the cap situation it's it's an interesting offseason target you know yeah, for sure. And um, two other, I think, interesting scenarios here. How do we feel? I'm seeing rumors of perhaps Mitchell Trubisky going to the New York Giants. Game changer? I didn't hear that yet. Oh, man. Well, so That's he's, hot off he's the suddenly presses. hot off the presses. He has suddenly been completely revitalized by the uh, by just being around Josh Allen. Is that is that the hand of Josh Allen has has cured him? Yeah, and I think there's also an argument to be made that 
perhaps Mitch wasn't the issue in Chicago. You know, we right. saw what happened when they brought in other quarterbacks. It was just as ugly, if not uglier. Uh, at least Mitch somehow willed this team, what, to the playoffs twice? Once, twice, yeah. I forget exactly. Um, but that strikes me as pretty interesting. I think I believe in Mitch, at least as of – maybe I don't believe in him, but I think he's not as bad as he gets uh, gets credited for. So that would be interesting. And, and I got another, another hot, 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 hot off the press right here. The Colts are trading – Carson Wentz to the Washington, what are they, the Commanders? The Washington Commanders as of 1.47 p.m. today. What do we make of that? Is this breaking news? I, I was not even aware of this. See what happens when I get in the car and I do all my podcast prep in the morning. I miss all yeah, the breaking news. This was a, a Schefter bomb literally oh, 10 man. minutes ago. Hot well, off I'm the glad presses. we went in late. I mean, we might yeah. be off by 1.47 <laughs> if we went live at 1.15. So this is, this is perfect. I mean, I did see a funny tweet saying they should um, instead – try to get Carson Wentz to gamble so he could get suspended for the year. So this is probably a better take. This is probably sure, a better for sure. And you know, man, I don't think Carson Wentz is the issue either, which maybe I'll get dragged across the coals for that take. Was he wildly unclutch last year? Yes. But who the hell was he throwing to? Zach Pascal as your best receiver is not going to be a game changer. Mo Alley Cox is fine. Doyle always seems to disappear. T.Y. Hilton is unfortunately over the hill, injured for more than half the season. And of course, it became a little bit of the Jonathan Taylor show. But eh, I mean, his numbers were pretty good. And I don't think he was the issue in uh, in Philadelphia either. You look at who he was throwing to there. What, Greg Ward and Jalen Rieger? I mean, these aren't exactly top 75 receivers he's tossing to in either scenario. Yeah. I'd like to see him link up with Scary Terry a little bit here. And, you know, I think an underrated offense in, in, in the Washington, uh, where they are the yeah, commanders. Underrated. Right? The I, they, they are the commanders. The commanders and what's the the baseball team? The Cleveland became the Guardians. So I think we get the uh, Guardians yes, and the, the Commanders. Guardians, now the commanders. Sounds yep. like it's like yes. two Halo squads about to yes. team up. It's either that or we're kicking off like a Marvel Universe movie you know, <laughs> or something. Yes, sir. But, uh, but I'm pumped either way. I mean, look, that's interesting. Um, I'd love to see what they gave up there. I don't know if that's been released yet but probably better for both sides Two washington definitely needed picks, to make a move i believe wow wow Not yeah i'm surprised believe to be i'm i would love to know what the indie plan then becomes right what do they have up their sleeve or what are they trying to do in the draft because you you always thought they were a quarterback away they tried to solve it with philip rivers didn't get there right. we were both high on that move um heading into our first podcast year and yep. then the Wentz move, I think we were both high on coming in the last year. And I tend to agree with you. I don't think, at least in Indy, you know, he was the full problem. They had good talent around him, you know, probably forced and tried to do too much with a roster where he didn't need to do that. Now I worry with him going into Washington where maybe they do benefit from him taking more of that initiative and taking more of that lead. Does that lead to a, a worse Carson Wentz that you get? But it, they have a really good defense. I think, like you said, it's really what they're going to get and continue to build offensively. Um, he improves that right away, I think, right right from the start. And now it's just a matter of the other pieces maybe you can put around him. Yeah, for sure. And fun fact here, the Carson Wentz draft picks, the Colts traded a first and a third. The Eagles traded two firsts, a second, a third, and a fourth. And now the Commanders have traded two thirds. So there's a lot of draft capital officially invested in tied to one man over the years. Yeah. So I guess well something to monitor. I don't think I'll be drafting him on my fantasy teams with the first overall pick, uh, and perhaps not my 16th round pick either. But who knows? Crazy <laughs> things have happened. Oh God, I love it. Well, he's back in the NFC, so I'll enjoy watching him two times a year.
Yeah, and I'm sure I'll lose some more money on the Washington Commanders to win the division two years in a row. But definitely, hey, I don't know how that defense was so bad, but we are a ways away from the NFL. So we'll tip back and steer us back into a little NBA look ahead spots. We've got a great weekend ahead of us. I believe eight games on Saturday, seven games on Sunday. I think you also perhaps had something on Thursday or Friday to get us to the weekend. Where do we want to go here? Yeah, you got a couple Friday night. I didn't go super deep on those, or maybe I did. I got to check all the all the. There's so many games here. It's a lot of games when we're looking at four or five days in a row. But the one I want to touch on quickly on Thursday, and we'll try and go in chronological order here, is the Brooklyn Nets at the Philadelphia 76ers. I think this is really going to be, I mean, a fun game for all. Definitely on a national level, we'll see who cares about it in the New York area. I know I do, but I might be one of five Nets fans out there. So. You know, you have the first matchup between these two teams post the blockbuster Harden for Simmons plus some other pieces trade. Uh, The unfortunate thing is, um, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. No Ben Simmons in this matchup. He does not want to face the Boo Birds uh, in Philly. And there's some other things going on. Major bummer, right? We we wanted to see Just for the entertainment value alone. 100%. 100%. I, I, you know, I know, again, there's some rumors about the back. And then I also think, Internally, I think they're trying to protect him a little bit, but it is what it is. What we are still going to get is some MVP caliber candidates. You have still Kyrie Irving because this is a road game. He will be able to play with his, which is huge. Kevin Durant is back and looks like he never missed a beat. Uh, I think he's Mm -hmm. played three or four games uh, since coming back from injury. And then you have Embiid and Harden on the other side. So still a star studded matchup um, and one that I'm really looking forward to watch just to gauge both of these teams post this. So when you look at the matchup history here a little bit, Brooklyn leads the season series two to one. Uh, They won the first two um, surprisingly scored 114 points in both games, 114, 109, 114, 105. And then Philly came back on December 30th and won 110, 102. But I think you have to throw a lot of that out because these teams have completely changed the landscape and the way they look. Sure. And you ha- you're you going to have a playoff atmosphere in place here. So, you know, I will be looking probably, no matter what, to enjoy the game. But to me, if you get a short Brooklyn line, I think it's telling. Um, because when you look at where these two teams have gone and some of the roster issues and health issues that the Nets are having, um, keeping the same guys on the floor, trying to find some continuity because they have a lot more moving pieces than even the new Sixers, um, you know, I think that to me is going to be pretty telling that, uh, you know, there could be a lean here to the Nets in this spot to get motivated. Uh, one concern is Embiid, and you might have some matchup data on this too, of mm-hmm. just, I don't know how they're going to stop him. Now they can at least throw Drummond back at him, but he's historically eaten Drummond up um, until Drummond was in Philadelphia with him as a backup center. And then you have Nicholas Claxton, who I love um, and defensively, you know, puts out a good effort, but weight-wise and strength-wise, I just don't know if he can hang with Embiid. Now, at the end of the day, I do think the Nets have more depth, um, which is one reason why I'd look to back them. And if you look at what Kyrie was able to do the other night in a a victory against the Hornets, he just completely changes the makeup on offense and and the way they can spread it out. And that depth that they have, that shooting that they have, I think is going to come into handy against the Philadelphia team, um, especially if they can get somebody to match up a little bit with with Harden and slow him down because they might not be able to Mm -hmm. stop Embiid. Yeah, for sure, man. I got nothing to add to that one. I can't wait to watch it, and hopefully we'll have some props. But uh, yeah, hopefully uh, maybe even uh, an Eastern Conference final preview. Hopefully we can get Kyrie That's back right. on the court, home and away, after he dropped, what, a 50-bomb last night, yeah? 50-bomb. Went for 50 against the um, the Charlotte Hornets and, and looked smooth doing it. Made it look easy. Yeah, I love that. 
Uh, good stuff, man. Quick look ahead for me as well. Uh, I'm looking at Saturday, you know, a bunch of games I'm trying to avoid. Honestly, I think the Utah line versus Sacramento is going to be too big. They've played twice. It was seven and a half and nine and a half. I'd expect it to be in there as well. Um, and a couple other games. Well, one game I thought was going to be really interesting is Cleveland versus Chicago. Um, yep. you know, Chicago is one of those teams again, that like doesn't play defense and scores a lot. So it's a perfect right. player prop scenario. Obviously the lines were adjusted accordingly, but you know, these two teams they've played twice. One was a three point favorite, uh, on both matchups and both of them were a little bit of a, of a blowout. So I'd imagine, uh, both home teams had a blowout. So a little bit of a rubber match here. So I think for just intrigue POV is going to be great. Um, but we're looking to, I wanted to get somebody on both sides here. Quick ocular pat down, uh, looking to target Chicago's. Uh, well, we'll start with Cleveland, actually. Their point guard, specifically. Uh, the. Who am I looking at? Kobe White. Garland. What I'm looking Kobe. at for, for oh, Chicago. Chicago. Um, because with Lonzo out, he's been playing pretty well. His last 10 games, his minutes are up three minutes per game, obviously. His field goal percentage is up 4%, and he's scoring three more points than season average as well. Um, and Cleveland here is pretty poor against the, the point guard. They're 117th uh, in terms of points per game. So that's 21st in the league uh, and 111th in terms of three-pointers made. That's 18th in the league. Uh, so I think a pretty good opportunity for him to, to go off there. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Chicago here poor against a lot of things, but specifically power. Power forward and center, uh, center 148th out of 150 in terms of points per game, 144th out of 150 in field goal per game. And this is one I really do love because Jared Allen is out for indefinitely. So all of a sudden, hello, Evan Mobley. He's going to be able to ball out. Uh, last couple minutes games, he's he has seen that minute increase where they were spinning time, splitting time. Uh, yesterday, no, yeah, yesterday he saw 36 minutes and scored 22 points. On the sixth, he scored 20 points uh, on 36 minutes as well. So those two games, specifically compared to his last 10, you know, eight of which he was splitting time. His minutes per game is up three. His points per game is up seven, uh, and his field goal percentage is about the same. So with increased usage, his he's not dropping off at all. Um, his lines have been holding interestingly around 16 and a half, even without, uh, Allen, if we can get it there, great. I think we're safe to play it up to maybe 18 and a half, maybe 19 and a half. The next games this week will be huge on that. And then in terms of the power forward, I think we look for good old Lori Markinen, who we did cash in on last night over six, maybe it was two nights ago. I forget, but, um, another great matchup there on the power forward side of things. So obviously we need lines. Obviously we need, um, you know, starting rosters and all that. But those are those are three guys I'm going to be looking for uh, on the Saturday slate. Yeah. And look, jumping in back to Friday with with those two with one of those teams is Cleveland also plays Miami at Miami uh, Friday night, which is another good Eastern Conference matchup. These teams have been jockeying for position. Cleveland's obviously in the top six, I think right now. I think they're either fifth or sixth. And then yeah. Miami's either first or second. I know they've been moving back and forth with Philly a little bit, but I think they're still holding the first spot. Interestingly enough, in that matchup, again, of two good Eastern Conference contenders, Cleveland's beat up on them twice in early December. It was 111.85. Mm-hmm. On December 13th, it was 105.94. Since that time, these teams are, you know, I wouldn't say they're moving in opposite directions, but Miami has definitely surged up the board and up the standings, and Cleveland has come back to earth a little bit, a little bit of regression from where they started. Still a great sure. team, but I think the thing you mentioned, Jared Allen not playing, Garland still being a little bit banged up. He's been in and out of the lineup. And then some of the other injuries and things they're dealing with, I still don't think Rondo's back. They obviously shipped uh, Rubio off because of the injury that he had. I think if you see line strength here, line movement towards Miami, which you're probably going to get in the five, six, 
or 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 higher range. I think that's a really strong line and tough to lay those types of points in the NBA. But again, if you just look at the movement in some of these games in that 111.85 victory, Miami was minus three. In the 105.94 Cleveland victory, it was Cleveland minus five and a half. That game was at Cleveland. The first game I mentioned was at Miami. So the the big comparable there, although it was early December 1st, is Miami minus three at home and they got walloped. You're probably going to see this line come back and look stronger. And like right. I said, if I see that moving in that direction, especially to a strong place, uh, Miami probably a play on Friday night for me. I love it, man. We got Thursday, we got Friday, we got Wednesday, we got Saturday, we got the whole week covered here. And any parting words before we let the good people at home get back to whatever they were doing? Yep, I'll sneak in another pick. Dallas Mavericks minus eight. The Knicks on the la- on on a three out of four on this massive road trip. They've looked better of late. They're playing great. Luca gets his revenge. For a blowout at the Garden, Mavs minus eight tonight. Parting Boo. Wins. <laughs> I think it's in uh, Dallas, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. I hate that pick. The Knicks are percolating. <laughs> Baby Cam Reddish went off for 19 a couple games ago. Randall for 46. We're back. The, the curse of Porzingis is out. So the Mavs yep, can yep, now beat yep. the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> Very fair. Uh, and you want to put a martini on that one? Yep. Let's do it. All right. I got was eight or eight and a half. Uh, I got eight. I got minus eight, minus one fifteen at DraftKings. Uh, it's right. eight and a half or nine in some other spots. So grab that eight at DraftKings before it disappears. All right, because it's at eight, eight and a half, and nine. Let's settle at eight and a half for the martini bet. I'm gonna, I'm gonna regret that hook, but yeah, let's do it for the martini bet. I'll give you, the, I'll the give hook. you the extra half. That's the, the extra, extra olive right there. We're I hope, I hope Julius Randall gets to the free throw late. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And uh, the martini bets on this show, I'm winning two to one. And it's not a a subtraction here. You know, he's not only buying me one martini. We're grossing up the martinis and the cocktails. Yeah, exactly, man. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening, watching, you know, whatever you're doing. Hope you tail with us. Hope you cash with us. Uh, This was, this is, this always will be short-term high volatility investments. Until next week.